Thank you so much, Calvin and Cindy. Really good to be able to share from God's Word with you today. So we're in the third week of a teaching series called Holy Maths. We've had a break, uh, if you are new to us, we've had a break for Cap Sunday and some baptisms last week, and we're returning to this series. And the plan is that we're going to spend most of this term looking at that one passage together, zooming in on one section of scripture to uh, mine its treasures and uh, see what we can find out from this passage week on week. And that passage is the, the first section of 1 Peter 2 that Cindy has read for us there. And in this passage, Peter introduces us to some simple maths for faith, some simple addition where he describes aspects of our character and faith that are to be added to, to help us live as disciples. Hence the series title, Holy Maths. Now I've got a bit of a dilemma here because in my introduction to this series a few weeks back, I broke a personal promise that I'd made to myself and told a terrible joke. It was a maths Bible joke, and I said uh, it was the sort of joke that Roger would tell. I don't regret that part, but I do regret the terrible joke. Um, Now, Roger in turn followed up with an equally bad maths Bible joke, and he challenged me to find another one. So I've got a dilemma. I've made a promise to myself I would not be one of those people that tells groan-worthy jokes, but I can't let the side down. So here goes. This This is my joke. My maths Bible joke. I only believe in 12.5% of the Bible. I guess that makes me an atheist. (laughs) Thank you. Honestly, friends, how did I get into this? Uh, Back to you, Roger, for next week. I'm looking at you. Okay, so holy maths. Please have your Bibles open. It really helps, I think, to look through the passage. It's page 1222, and we're going to look again at this section in that passage that Cindy read, uh, starting at verse 5. For uh, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love." For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what Peter's doing here is he builds up this equation. There's an equation for a fruitful Christian life, which says that faith and goodness and knowledge and so on, all those other characteristics, equals, add those, add, 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 equals effective and productive knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're thinking today about knowledge as one of those additions and how adding knowledge to our faith can help us to be effective disciples of Jesus. Now, knowledge is really important to Peter. In the first eight verses of this chapter, if you've got your Bibles open, you'll see it. He mentions the word knowledge five times, verse 2, verse 3, verse 5, verse 6, verse 8, and then elsewhere in the letter. Verse 2, for example, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God. Verse 3, his divine power has given us everything we need through our knowledge of him, and so on. Knowledge matters to Peter. Now, when we think of knowledge, we perhaps think of people who are able to retain a significant amount of information in their heads. Someone with knowledge, they know a lot of stuff, and they're able to have it in their heads and recall it. They can recall vast amounts of information and bring it to mind. Or there are also a lot of people who might not know a lot about a lot, but they know a lot about a niche area. Um, You'll know the 
uh, the, the Chris Show master, Mastermind. It's been going since the 70s. And, of course, on that show, each contestant chooses their specialist subject. Someone has a very narrow amount, a, a narrow subject, and then there are a lot about that subject. I was reading an article about Mastermind this week, and I was reading how some specialist subjects have come up so often that contestants aren't allowed to choose them anymore. Last year alone, 272 people applied to the show wanting to answer questions about Harry Potter. Faulty Towers and Blackadder have been chosen so many times that they're not allowed anymore. And I also read that the contenders must choose three uh, different specialist subjects before they take up their place in the famous black seat, which I didn't realise. You've got to have an encyclopedic knowledge of three subjects, not one. Some particularly niche subjects that... Niche subjects. Quite difficult to say, friends. Some particularly niche... Oh, honestly. <laughs> Some very narrow subjects that have been chosen <laughs> include notable British prisoners, came up, and, I love this one, pets of the White House. So there you are. Now, all of this reminded me of a brilliant clip with the two Ronnies when they appear on Mastermind. And just to whet your appetite, I've got a very, very short clip. Enjoy this. And so to our first contender. Good evening, your name, please. Uh, good evening. Your, first, your chosen subject was answering questions before they were asked. This time, you have chosen to answer the question before last each time. Is that correct? Charlie Smithers. <laughs> Time starts now. What is paleontology? Yes, absolutely correct. <laughs> What's the name of the directory that lists members of the peerage? A study of old fossils. <laughs> Who are Lynn Murray and Sir Geoffrey Howe? Burks. <laughs> correct. What is the difference between a donkey and an ass? Uh, one's a trade union leader, the other's a member of the cabinet. <laughs> Complete the quotation, to be or not to be? They're both the same. <laughs> and so it goes on. What does Peter mean when he talks about knowledge? When he says, add to your faith knowledge, he is not talking about vast and largely irrelevant topics that when it boils down to it, don't actually matter that much. When Peter wrote this letter, he wanted to address issues arising in the early church, including some false teaching that was around. And he wants to bring the Christian believers back to the, what they knew to be true and not be swayed by other off-piste teachings. The end of our passage, verse 12, I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth. <clears throat> so Peter's readers knew the truth. He says, you know this stuff, you are established in this stuff, you know the truth of the good news of salvation in Jesus. <clears throat> and the knowledge that Peter's writing about is a knowledge of the Lord Jesus, a knowledge about the gospel, who Jesus is, what it means to be saved, and what it means to live in him. And that's the knowledge that is to be added to our faith, a continual knowing and believing in the good news of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus which saves. That is Peter's specialist subject he says you should know about, that is worth knowing about. And this is borne out in the rest of the New Testament as well. The Apostle Paul says similar things about what we are to know as disciples. He says this to the Ephesian Christians, for example, in Ephesians 1. 
I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance. Knowing Jesus, this is the knowledge, knowing Jesus and the hope of his inheritance. And so linked with that, I want to mention three aspects of knowledge to do with what it means to be saved by him and to live in him that Peter and Paul outline as the kind of knowledge which is to be added to our faith. And the first is more who than what. Less about facts and more about a person. When Justin Welby was preaching at the Queen's funeral a couple of weeks ago, I was, um, well, I was glued to the whole funeral, actually, but I was glued to his every word, and I had this sense of anticipation beforehand, wondering what he would choose to say on this occasion, probably partly because I'm a speaker, I guess, and I was imagining, you know, imagine getting up knowing that you're speaking in front of, of billions, what, what, a, what a gig that is, 28 million people in the UK alone were watching Justin Welby spoke for six minutes. That's all. You can preach a good sermon in six minutes, she says. Um, And it was brilliant, all of it. But I was struck by this quote in particular. Few leaders receive the outpouring of love we have seen. Jesus, who in our reading, does not tell his disciples how to follow, but who to follow, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Her late majesty's example was not set through her position or her ambition, but through whom she followed. The queen knew the Lord Jesus personally and followed him. And all the other stuff, her life of service, the words that she spoke, flowed from that. Now, there is nothing wrong with deep knowledge about the Bible. In fact, we'll be saying in a minute that studying and and learning are really important. But knowledge only means anything if we know the person that we're reading about. Jesus doesn't tell his followers how to follow, but who to follow. My own personal faith story is absolutely anchored in meeting and knowing the person of Jesus. You can look at somebody standing up here on the stage and think, gosh, they've you know, been to Bible college and they've got knowledge and training and understanding might assume that I've got this faith background, that I've, you know, I've, I was born knowing Leviticus from start to finish. You know, That is absolutely not true at all. I grew up in a, a, really, a really poor, very working-class family. My family weren't Christians. They're still not. I knew absolutely nothing about the Bible, nothing about the Bible, who it pointed to, about faith in God at all. And when I became a Christian through an encounter in contact with a local church, I'm, I met a person the person of Jesus who changed my life. I met him and started to get to know him. And that has been the cornerstone of my life and my story for all the years since. And when I read and study and learn, that's good and it helps, but it helps because I know a person. It isn't what we know as much as who we know that counts. And I guess that's to say, first of all, if you don't know him, you can Anybody can. You can know Jesus yourself in a way that I have done. But also, if we do know, we can remind ourselves of what Peter would say to us, is to add to your faith knowledge. Go on investing in a personal relationship and knowing the person 
of Jesus. It's less about what you know and more about who you know. More who than what. And then more faith than feeling, if we're talking about knowledge. Our knowledge of God is, through Jesus is rooted in truth. It's rooted in, in solid, real facts. And what a knowledge of God does is it gives us a bedrock of faith that isn't swayed when our feelings let us down. When we add knowledge to our faith, what we're doing is firming up our foundations. The Bible's pretty clear that we can't always trust our feelings. For example, Jeremiah 17, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. God created our emotions and he certainly uses them. I'm not saying we shouldn't feel. In fact, that's not true at all. God made us as emotional feelings, human beings. And it's good to have feelings, encounters with God. I've, I've had that, you know, dozens, thousands of times, meeting him in worship, sensing his presence when I'm praying, experiencing God's love in a very physical and real way. The, the Holy Spirit touches our emotions that are given to us by God. But we slip up when we base our decision to trust Jesus based solely on how we're feeling. When Peter says, add to your faith knowledge, part of that is growing and learning to trust him, the person he is, the person we know him to be, in spite of our feelings. It is too easy to live by feelings rather than faith. You may have found this to be true too. For me, it's certainly true. If my faith depended on how I was feeling, it would have more ups and downs than a theme park, because our feelings are up and down. If we let our feelings dictate, we might struggle to believe God is real when we're not feeling his love or sensing that he's near. We might make bad choices and walk a wrong path because our feelings of temptation are strong. We might make a bad decision when we base it spontaneously on how we feel. Our feelings are changed so easily by people or by circumstances. You've probably heard this expression, knowledge is power. It's a proverb, and it, it basically means that if you have more knowledge, particularly through education, that that will make you more successful, that you'll have more control over your future. The more you know, the more you can control, I guess, is the idea behind it. Well, I think the Bible would say knowledge is power, but not because it gives us control, but because of how it enables us to stand in the midst of the turmoil of life. To call on what we know, to bring it to mind, to help us to trust in Jesus and stand on the powerful rock of him and his love. If you are struggling to trust him today, if your feelings are all over the place, bring back to mind the things you know, the knowledge that you have. Call to mind what you know more who than what, more faith and feeling, and more actions than words. If you know a lot, but you don't do anything with it, other than let it sit in your brain, you may as well not know it at all. Peter encourages us to add knowledge to our faith because we are to be transformed, we are to be changed. Knowledge leads to a changed life, to action. The Apostle Paul says to the Colossians, Colossians 1, for this reason... Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. 
Why? So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. It's not just what you know, but what you do with what you know. We all know that any achievement, any growth, any change in life takes time and effort. Very little that's worthwhile happens overnight. Two very recent sporting examples that I was reflecting on. First of all, the women's football team winning the Euros. To have the women not just win the Euros, but to have 87,000 people watching live has been years in the making of team building, of investing in the sport, of incremental change around the culture and the acceptability of women's sports. This happened because of years of concerted effort towards change. We were on holiday in Italy for the final, you know, cheering, cheering my head off, watching them win with Italian commentary that I couldn't understand, but I knew it was, I knew it was good news. And then just this week, this is um, the Kenyan Eliud Kipchoge, who broke his own world marathon record by 30 seconds. He ran it in two hours and one minute. And at age 37, he still keeps winning. And asked if he was going to try and attempt a sub-two-hour win next year, he said, there is more to be built in my legs and my mind and my body. Achievements that are years in the making and involve behind-the-scenes quiet building blocks of training and change. Our text for today, 2 Peter 1, verse 5, is about adding knowledge, to keep adding knowledge, to build knowledge into our lives of who God is so that we will be more productive and effective, to live a life worthy of the calling that we've received. And verse 5, we're to do this making every effort. It takes commitment. We will not know Jesus more deeply just by hoping it happens to us. It takes commitment if we want to grow as disciples, to see life change and transformation. That does not happen overnight. Culture change and heart change takes time and effort. It takes opening God's word, reading it, studying it, learning from it, who God is and how we are to grow in him. Studying regularly and deeply, finding a rhythm to your day, ideally daily if you can, to read the Bible and to pray. The problem with social media platforms is that we can trade careful reading of God's word with, with short, snappy blog posts or memes or sound bites. Our attention span reduces so rapidly. If we know the person of Jesus that we're studying about, then as day by day we study and know his word, it will change us, our lives and our actions. And there's a challenge here. Peter says to you and to me, make every effort, work at this, Put some effort in the investment. The other side of the equation is a fruitful and a productive life in Jesus. Knowledge that leads to a changed life that is seen in our actions. So let's land with a summary from this morning. Peter encourages us to add knowledge to our faith. And what's that knowledge? It's about the Lord Jesus. It's about the gospel. It's who Jesus is, what it means to be saved, what it means to live in him. That's the knowledge that we are to add to our faith. And godly knowledge is more who than what, more faith than feeling, and more action than words. Remind yourself today of the person you know. We've been singing and thinking about that a bit in worship, and we'll do some more of that in a moment. We know Jesus. We know that. If your feelings are letting you down, call to mind what you know and stand on the bedrock of truth of what we believe 
And let's slowly and daily make every effort to add knowledge through God's word to bring about heart change and action in our lives. Let's pray together. The band are going to come back. We'll pray and then we'll respond with a a couple of songs to help us respond to what God is saying. Let's give you a moment to ask God, what is it he's particularly saying to you today? What's your takeaway thoughts? What's the key, the key thing from this passage and this message that's right for you today? Lord Jesus, would you help us to add knowledge to our faith, which is a knowledge about you, who you are, what life in you looks like. Would you help us to stand on your truth? And I pray for those whose feelings are in the the downward swoop of the theme park at the moment, up and down, up and down. Help us to call on what we know and stand on your truth today. And would we make every effort to add knowledge to our faith, learning, studying, getting to know you through your word more deeply, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.